What up, though? Your homie D Royale, Real Spit with Royale, Season Two, Episode Four. All right. Um, last episode was a bonus episode, um, which was super dope too because it was by request. I got a chance to explain some of my favorite tweets, um, some really controversial, <laughs> uh, some of my more controversial favorite treat- tweets, and um, some of my more. Um, I guess fun, lighthearted tweets as well. Um, so I think I might make that a normal thing. I think I might continue to do that. Um, but anyways, I was supposed to drop last week, so I do have a lot of things to get to. So, you know, fuck an intro. Let's just get into it right now. All right. So <sighs> take a deep breath because last week was a shitstorm. Um, obviously, it was, you know, time for us to get out and go vote. Um, <laughs> it's uh, election, se- election season. And we have had nothing less than... Um, a clusterfuck of events from that particular day, which to, if, if I can keep it extra funky with you, I'm just ready for this to be over. All right. If Joe Biden and, uh, you know, Madam Vice President Kamala Harris are going to be the elect for right now. So be it. Uh, obviously, you probably know about all the broader news. Uh, Donald Trump is pushing for a recount and um, so many different counties throughout the country because a loss is a loss, my guy. Like, just take your L and get your big bloated. I'm not even going to disrespect him. I'm not going to waste time on my podcast validating that man's existence. Once this is over, I don't want to hear anything else from anybody that supports Trump. And matter of fact, look around you right now. Look around you and think about it. All right. We just reached, I believe, over 150,000 cases in uh, one week. The most we've had in one week, uh, I believe, the entire since the pandemic started. Uh, We're over a million deaths um, and infections at this point for COVID-19. And anybody who's still supporting Donald Trump in that cabinet. And don't just here's the thing. Don't just pin this all on Donald Trump. Yes, he's the leader. He's 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 the leader of the of the brigade of, you know, idiocy um, in every other type of name in the book, every other type of whatever (laughs) verb, whatever, whatever you want to use to describe that that man. um, He's the leader of it. But let's not forget he has a cabinet. Like he has a group of people that have been around him. Of course, he's fired people and hired people. But let's not forget the whole brigade, the whole regime that has enabled everything to take place. So if you have a family member or if you know anyone close to you um, who has been affected by COVID-19 in some form or fashion, because technically everyone has. If you haven't contracted it directly, you know someone that has or it's, or it's, or it's hindered your way of life in some form or fashion. Um, so please look around the people that you're voting for the people that you're putting in office the people that supports him still even in this moment of loss as he's bickering and kicking and filling uh to get his mind right uh please look around and just for the love of god let's not forget this all right let's just now i, I just want to move on let's move on to something fun to talk about because this is a current events based podcast and i had to get that political shit out the out the way so we can give go forward uh to the things that actually are fact-based right now now i do think after this recount uh the majority of the electoral votes will probably go towards president president-elect joe biden and um uh madam kamala Madam Kamala Harris, um, in terms of ushering in, ushering in a new era of politics for us, I'm looking forward to just getting this shit over with because I'm tired of talking about it. Now I'm going to move on to the fun stuff, my favorite current events. Now, if you're not familiar uh, with my podcast, basically what I do is, this is a current events-based podcast, and what I like to do is drop down all of my favorite events and stories throughout the week so I can talk about them um, in the funnest way possible. So one of my favorite stories throughout this, this past week, and I was supposed to drop last week so don't get mad at me all right i was supposed to drop last week i did not but i'm here this week and i'm gonna double up on the content all right so that way we can get into this whole flow of pretty much what the show is based off of now one of the things that did happen uh is oregon all right uh passed some laws and i'm excited about this because they finally made drugs the undisputed winner of 2020 if it's one thing you can't debate out this bitch it's the fact that oregon passed a sweeping measure 110 which decriminalizes small amounts of street drugs such as heroin uh coke uh methamphetamines uh anything that would used to be a federal charge is now a misdemeanor uh which would be the which would be the equivalent of a traffic ticket which is super dope because it's a lot of people out here that really kind of you know got felonies because of possession of a gram or two of heroin or some mushrooms or mdma or you know uh any other hallucinogenics that you may have seen and i always thought that was fucked up especially me coming from being a young black kid being raised in flint michigan 
and also living just, you know, and, and obviously moving around a lot throughout Flint, um, Ipsy, Ann Arbor, a lot of different areas, Southeast Michigan, Detroit, and seeing a lot of people having drug afflictions and being incarcerated in mass numbers, predominantly black people. I've always felt like this was the war on drugs was always just a campaign to hurt the afflicted people in the black community. Now, I'm not saying that anyone deserves a pass because, you know, hey, you know, consequences come, you know, with decision making. But to give someone a felony for a gram of Coke or for three grams of Coke just sounded really excessive or crack just sounded really excessive. This person is already dealing with a fatal addiction and now you're going to topple that while putting them in prison so shout out to oregon for striking that down and i'm hoping this is a measure that the rest of the country is going to get behind as marijuana is becoming increasingly uh legal i believe new jersey just passed a law um to legalize recreational use of marijuana um not too long ago here in new york i live in harlem so not too long ago here in new york we were able to also pass a law where if you found, you know, with this with small amounts of marijuana, you know, it results in like a fine or a ticket or something like that. So I think this is super dope that we're finally starting to lax these laws uh, on drugs, drug use. Now, I know the more starch, um, I guess, conservatives are going to say shit like, hey, what the fuck? You know, we about to let all these drug addicts run around here. And, and that's the type of shit that I saw on Twitter and I didn't even engage with it. So if you know someone who's been a dickhead about that, just tell them to shut the fuck up. If you ain't got to worry about the drug being in your system then don't worry about the other person but i do think now this is a dope move to divert all of these all of these funds uh into programs that are going to help people clean themselves up rather than uh you know obviously triple the effect of sending them to prison ruining their lives and making them even more struggle out on certain drugs that they're probably not going to be able to come from so a lot of those different funds from the state are going to be moved uh to really help people get themselves better um they're going to be moving those those funds to institutions to help them get clean to help them get their life back on track so salute to oregon and i'm hoping that more states and cities pick up on this same initiative and kind of run with it um one of my other favorite stories throughout this past week shout out to shannon sharp now i watch a lot of um, undisputed uh, on youtube for the most part because a lot of times i'm always on the move but um Shannon Sharp has had an interview recently. He actually, matter of fact, he shout out to Shannon Sharp for Club Shay Shay. Round of applause for Club Shay Shay. Okay. Uh, Uncle Shan, <laughs> Uncle Shay Sharp, as they call him, uh, has a new show called Club Shay Shay. And his motto is doing something, do something before two something. All right. And I think that shit is major because I'm always doing something before two something. I'm sipping on something right now. Um, so, this particular show he gets to interview for the most part some of the favorite people that he actually likes to talk to speak with and he shares this platform he had an interview with um michael eric dyson uh recently and he was just talking about the current state of america and what got us here uh and he also likened slave practice to the police now i thought this was a pretty important piece uh so I i'm gonna play a, i'm gonna play a quick a quick clip for you right here let's jump right into it the current state of America. And I think the biggest thing that we see is the racial divide between the black minority community and our white counterparts. And we see the unarmed killing of black men and women in America. George Floyd tipped it off. And then we see uh, uh, the Blake situation. We see Ahmaud Brooks. We see Sandra Bland. We see Walter Scott. Doc, we can go on and on. What do you think got us here? No, it's a great point. And you laid them out there. Rashard Brooks, Ahmed Arbery, George Floyd. I mean, and and unfortunately and tragically, I mean, when we add Sandra Blake or Rakia Boyd or Breonna Taylor, we can we're gonna add more names after right. this appears. That's yeah. part of the tragedy, right? Right. And what got us here is the persistence of white supremacy. What got us here is that from the slave plantation, when the slave patrols were sent out after black bodies bring them back. If they escape, bring them back. If they're out late at night, because you know, black people could get a pass to go to visit their girlfriends or wives or husbands and the like from plantation to plantation. But if they were uh, disobeying any rules or if the slave owner didn't like what they were doing, they would send those darn slave patrols out. They were the predecessors to the police. Right. So in the early 1700s in Virginia and other places, the police have essentially been trying to arrest black mobility and to stop black freedom. Now, if you're not familiar with Michael Eric Dyson, 
uh, look him up. I'm not going to waste my time going down his long list of credentials. And I thought this was a very important way for Shannon Sharp to kind of establish this show of his and this new podcast of his and you should follow him it's literally Club Shay Shay uh, on Twitter and Instagram follow him because some of these interviews are just getting better and better by the episode but this particular one with Michael Eric Dyson is a big deal because you rarely get to see black men on a platform just having this all out unequivocal unbiased uh, no host bar conversation where they can finally say the things that they feel and not have to feel, you know, PC control. I know most people might say whatever. Um, that's, you know, I guess male privilege or black male privilege in media, whatever. Anyways, this particular episode, I thought this was dope because, you know, he talks about the past of police. And he also talks about how police were, you know, instated into what we now see as as they are now. Um, prior to this, you know, they were slave catchers. So <laughs> the earliest remnants of police that we know of uh, were actually active slave catchers. And then they transformed them into the police uh, for other measures. But he talks about how a lot of the same earlier fundamentals of slave catcher um, police, if you want to call them that, still remain to this day. And that's the reason why he said he likens the police departments uh, to slavery. And they have slave practices still to this day. Um, I actually got a chance to look at, in Kentucky, there was this um, training program in Kentucky where uh, the police, the newcomers who were in training at the academy were given this manual or this description of how to actually police in predominantly black communities. And it was the same manifesto of instructions to of policing from Nazi Germany. And literally a high schooler in the Kentucky community looked this up. This is public information. You can Google this too. A high school senior was doing a project and was able to obtain the training program for incoming police at the academy and compare it to the same training program as Nazi Germany police and military officers. And literally the only thing the state or the county said is that, oh, sorry about that. Y'all wasn't supposed to see that. I'm just summing it up. And this shit is wild because this is the type of stuff that go on. And literally a senior in high school was able to uncover this. But none of the policemen on the force were able to kind of be like, hmm, this shit seems wrong that we're targeting a certain community and over policing them and subjecting them to rulings that literally seem like race is the basis or the premise for it and a high school senior was able to put that together and um so you can check it out i i, I played a snippet um i'll put the link here uh to michael dyson michael eric dyson's interview with shannon sharp on club shay shay i thought it was pretty dope uh that's one thing for people to kind of check out throughout the week i got the link right here it's pretty dope another thing that uh club shay shay has given me the joy of the joy of is the interview with isaiah thomas this is Isaiah Thomas to me is like a um, childhood superhero um, growing up playing basketball, being undersized. You know, you don't really get selected a lot in the pickup games. You really got to scrap for everything because basketball truly is a tall man's sport. So anybody that turns or tall woman's and tall men's sport. So anyone who carves their way into basketball and understands how intricate it, it becomes for shorter people, understands that you always have a chip on your shoulder to prove to motherfuckers that you ain't soft out here, guys. Um, but Isaiah Thomas, the great Isaiah Thomas, a.k.a. Zeke the GOAT, uh, was on Club Shay Shay, and he talked about you know, playing against Michael Jordan, and he talked about his top five toughest players to play against, and this is what he said. You caught a lot of criticism, and people say, well, he just hating, he just upset. You said, Michael wasn't my competition. I never chased Michael. I was chasing Larry and Magic. I was chasing the Celtics and the Lakers because they had what I wanted. Michael never had what I wanted. He was chasing me. I wasn't chasing him. Explain what you mean by that. Uh, you know, just head to head, you know, I was dominant over him. Right. You know, when we, when our teams met, you know, when you go back and you look at until 91, when I, when I, when I basically had career ending wrist surgery. Right. Up until then, you know, my record against, against, against him and his team, you know, it was, <laughs> 
it, it was it really was a competition there. <laughs> and um, you know, you know, and and most people think like we're you know I'm five years older than him, but we're only a year apart, year two, year and a half apart. Uh, mm -hmm. So, but you know, he just wasn't my competition. Now, Bird he didn't have anything that you wanted. He didn't have no trophies. No, I, and and like I said, my my focus was Bird Magic. Dr. J, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Okay. Those were the guys. Right. I, you know, I don't care what anybody say. You can go back and look at history. Those were the guys. They Dr. were. J, Moses Malone, Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, Kareem, Magic, James. Those were the guys. Right. <laughs> now, what's so dope about this is that Mad people been hating on Isaiah Thomas. Now, earlier in the pandemic, when we were on lockdown and we couldn't go to fuck nowhere, we were in this bitch chilling. Uh, Michael Jordan dropped his documentary, The Last Dance, and everybody was, you know, really just, I don't, I, you know, the, the, the obsession with Michael Jordan is sickening to me. But anyways, um, everyone was excited about it. People loved it. I thought it was beautifully directed. I thought it was beautifully shot. Um, and I thought they did a great job uh, with, with that docuseries, essentially, is what it was. But Isaiah Thomas finally speaks on the fact that he doesn't look at Michael Jordan as his top competitor. And he barely put Michael Jordan in his top five of toughest competitors. And I rock with him on that. And the reason why I rock with him on that, it, it, you have to really look at the facts here, all right? Isaiah Thomas is, I, th I believe, a year older or two years older uh, than Michael Jordan. So it's, it's not too much of an age gap. Isaiah Thomas at one point was the number one player in the league. All right. Literally, the bad boys won back-to-back -back championships. And when Michael Jordan in the 80s was coming to ascension, it, it's not like Michael Jordan wasn't great. He's always been great if you look at it statistically. But from a winning perspective, he couldn't get past the Pistons. They really locked this man down. Now, people might say, oh, they play bully ball and blah, blah, blah. Fuck all that. Isaiah Thomas and the Detroit Pistons were a dynasty. They won back-to-back -back championships against the prime Celtics with Larry Bird and the prime Lakers with Magic Johnson, two of arguably the top 10 players of all time. And on top of that, they played... Mad P Dr. J was up there because the Sixers were great. A lot of people don't remember this. Early 80s, mid-80s, the Sixers were a, they were a fierce, fierce basketball club. And Dr. J and Moses Malone were the people you had to go see. Um, so I honestly feel like this interview was great because a lot of people feel like Isaiah Thomas is being bitter. I don't. I think my man is keeping it extra funky. I, I feel like he has no problem telling people that Michael Jordan is lower on the totem pole than everyone else thinks he is. And it's factual. It's fact-based. All right. Now, if you want to talk about after Isaiah had a career ending uh, wrist injury, which he had to get multiple surgeries on and then he ended up retiring prematurely, um, then, yeah, whatever. You can talk from the 90s up. Michael Jordan, for sure, dominated. But when you talk about the 80s, Michael Jordan is looked at as a really good scorer. And for the most part, you know, Isaiah Thomas and then was busting his ass. I mean, let's just keep it extra funky. That's worth you really checking out if you're a big sports fan, big sports fan like me. Uh, shout out to Shannon Sharp. Club Shay Shay is dope. Um, I check it out as one of the few things that I actually watch throughout the week. Um, so shout out Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp, a.k.a. Uncle Shan Sharp. Um, so let's keep it moving. I think this is another thing sports related um, that I love talking about on my podcast because I'm a big sports fan. Uh, right now it's the offseason for the NBA and um, it's looking like after uh, the bubble playoffs and obviously that huge break in between the regular season and the playoff resulting in a lot of teams missing some games down the stretch and some not really having too much chemistry going into the bubble to play the playoffs. Uh, the Lakers obviously won the championship this year. LeBron's fourth. Um, I want to say AD. Yeah, AD's first. Yeah. Uh, and so salute to LeBron. Uh, he's just, man, LeBron's running it up. And I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to do in, I believe, year 18. Shit. 18 years of greatness. I, I can't even knock Brian at that. Obviously, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. To me, that's the greatest basketball player to ever live. I don't think anyone would ever be able to top that. That's just me. Uh, so let's keep it moving. Uh, there's been a lot of trade rumors, but before we get to the trade rumors, I want to say I think it's dope. I think it's dope that even in the midst of COVID-19, um, the NBA has been able to put together a product that people can still watch, um, which still has substance. And they were able to really get behind uh, a lot of the social injustice movement, which I thought was pretty dope, too. 
We'll see if that continues uh, moving forward, but I think that's a great initiative to be able to use, especially during the pandemic, uh, with some of the you know things that we witnessed, and you know obviously we can go into all of that um, for another time. I have an episode about that um, for the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, um, but now we're looking at the season as it as it stands and. It looks like there's going to be a season happening as soon as, I believe, December 22nd. Yeah, right before Christmas Day, um, the season is going to kick off. I think it's going to be really dope. Now, it's unprecedented because we've never seen basketball take this type of hit. And the NBA as a product has done a pretty damn good job. Now, I, will, I want to say that I'm not in favor of starting the season so soon. I think that um, maybe you should wait till January. But... I mean, it's either that or you play a condensed season, which is going to be really hard because people will be playing, you know, certain teams will be playing four back-to-back-to-back games. Um, there's going to be really taxing on athletes' body bodies. I don't think you'll get the type of rest that's going to give you a really good product to, to watch night in and night out. Uh, if you're a fan of the NBA, but we'll see what happens. I think it's dope as fuck. I can't wait to see the NBA come back. I think everybody's going to have to find a way to stagger their minutes and keep their teams fresh, which is going to test a lot of coaches' ability uh, to really keep their teams in prime position to still be contenders in the playoffs. I believe it's going to be 68 games, not the full 82 games. I believe 68, which makes sense. Now, the draft is coming up, so we'll see who goes number one. I'll probably bet it's going to be LaMelo Ball. Um, but with the season starting early and this draft happening, uh, there's not going to be really too much offseason for everybody to get together. So this is going to be like a wild, wild west type season. So we'll see what comes out of this. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be complaining. Uh, and I'm sure some of the older players like LeBron, um, CP3, you know, uh, some of those older players are probably going to get as much rest in between games as they possibly can. They might even miss games. But we shall see. I think it's still going to be dope, though. Speaking of CP3, one of my favorite players of all time. Uh this guy, to me, is one of the primetime killers ever, and it's looking like he's going to be on the move. We'll see where he ends up. There's been a lot of interest for him to join the Lakers, but the Lakers will have to give up a lot. We'll see if that happens. I think it's dope if OKC kind of finds a way to amicably part ways with with Chris Paul. I, I would love to see him go play for a contender. Might not be the Lakers. People are saying he really want to go play for the Clippers and not for the Lakers, which I don't want that to happen. Come on, Chris. Come on, CP3. Not the motherfucking Clippers. Now, I like the Clippers because they have Kawhi Leonard, but Kawhi hasn't shown to be much of a galvanizing leader. Uh, so we shall see how that turns out. I think Chris Paul might be that guy, but, you know, considering how, um, I guess, stoic uh, Kawhi Leonard is, I don't know if Chris Paul might be the good fit, or maybe that's what they need because Paul George, PG-13, call him whatever you want. Playoff Paul, playoff George, whatever you want to call him. He ain't there when it goes down. And we've got five, six, seven years, primetime seasons, where we watch Paul George shrivel up in crunch time. And I'm not knocking him because he's a really good really good basketball player. I just don't think he's what everybody makes him out to be. I've been saying that since about 2016. Uh, but we, will, we, will, we shall see. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. I think the Lakers also are trying to put together a trade to get DeMar DeRozan from the Spurs uh, in exchange for Danny Green and Kuzma. I think Kyle Kuzma is the one on the block. So we'll see how this plays out. Anyways, we'll revisit it. All right. We'll talk about it again. Um, one of the things that I do like keeping my eye on throughout the week are like certain stories that make me feel like... Finally, I'm not the craziest black man on this podcast circuit. All right. And one of the people who constantly, among other people, um, helped me shape my views of this world and not make me feel like I'm just a, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm not. Now I'm not going to say angry because I think angry is, is an overused word, but I'm not a rebellious, anti-systemic black man who thinks these outrageous things about uh our history our past and you know uh the current events and things to come so chris rock one of my favorite comedians one of my favorite actors right now hold on before i get into this shout out to chris rock for fargo season four just round of a motherfucking applause for this guy huh now we all know chris rock is an incredible comedian uh one of my favorite comedians of all time I might put him, I don't know if I could put him in my top five stand-up. 
But he he most definitely is in the top ten. I probably would say top seven. Uh, man, I probably you know going off on a tangent here. Top five stand up comedians of all time in no particular order would probably be Patrice O'Neill, oh, Dave Chappelle. Oh, man. Uh, I, I don't want to say Richard Pryor because I always feel like Richard Pryor is a cop-out. And I wasn't really old enough to really get primetime Richard Pryor. But when I go back and look at his work, of course, ghost that is easy. But as far as people I, were able, I was able to see from, you know, the beginning to wherever their careers ended, um, Patrice O'Neill, Dave Chappelle, man, Eddie Murphy, of course. But the... I, See, Eddie stopped, though, but whatever. And if we, it's different because if we're talking about comedians or stand-up, Eddie has to go in there because of Raw, and obviously he has. But though after that, he kind of just kind of faded to black. Um, but I had to throw Eddie in there because Eddie's incredible. Uh, where I'm at, number three right now, so I need four and five. Shit. Uh, Bill Burr is in there. Oh, man, I love Bill Burr. I think he's incredible. And Louis C.K., yeah, I I would have to go. That's my top five stand-up comedians of all time. I could probably put together a best list, uh, a better list, but that's off the top of my head. Anyways, Chris Rock has been on the circuit, uh, rightfully so, because Fargo has been incredible. I absolutely love this show. Um, if you haven't checked it out, you most definitely need to check it out. It's nearing the uh, season finale. Um, but it's most definitely worth binge watching and it's easy to binge watch too. The episodes are hour long. Um, it comes on FX, I believe. Is it yes, FX. It comes on FX. Um, so check it out. Uh Chris Rock is unbelievable. And he's been on a circuit, he's been on this uh on this run uh of of interviews. Now, he was on a interview recently, and I don't even know what the name of his damn podcast is, but I'm sure he did them a favor. He could have came on my podcast. Chris Rock, come fuck with me, cuz. All right. You could have came on my podcast and we could have talked about the same shit. Um, but anyway, so Chris Rock was on his podcast recently. He was talking about why he doesn't like the civil rights movies. And I loathe a civil rights movie. I think civil rights movies are the most shitty pieces of films anyone could put together. It's just terrible. It's God awful. Uh, and I don't see why anyone really puts their time into this in these type of movies. Now, maybe that's a little bit of an overkill. But the reason why I started from that point is because I just really hate that we shall overcome black people being abused, put down, you know, treated as less than human. And and we have to revisit these stories like literally every year, every year, there's like 12 years of slave, the help roots, like every year is a rollout. Uh, and even this new weak ass movie with Janelle Monet, that shit was trash. I, why would Janelle Monet sign up for such a trash ass movie? I really don't understand why I, 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 I forgot the name of, let me look up the Janelle Monet movie right now. This shit was god awful. Um, and I think it just dropped and I rented it too, if I'm not mistaken. But she plays a slave uh in this movie. And you know, I, I think that the one thing that I will say is that I get it, you know, you know, there's a shortage of movies being produced or rolled out right now. Antebellum. That's the name of the trash ass movie. Now I love some Janelle Monet. You know what I'm saying? If she wasn't batting for the other team, you know, I'd probably be in her DMs right now every Sunday just to reassure her that I'm still right here and I ain't going nowhere. And when she's able to come back and get this 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 slow roasted good cooked dinner, you know, come fuck with me, Janelle. But this movie ain't it. That shit was trash. I think Janelle Monet most definitely made her acting career that much more uh hard to actually bear as a as a watcher lord have mercy that shit was painful don't watch antebellum just say i'll save you some she was a slave and it was terrible boom plot twist it's over so chris rock was talking about uh why he doesn't like the civil rights movies uh and how his mother had to get her teeth taken out at the vet because where they lived at the time, which I believe was South Carolina, uh, or South or North Carolina was one of the Carolinas. Um, she had to get her teeth taken out at the vet because white dentists wouldn't see black patients. So on and so forth with doctors and everyone else in this, and in, in, in from where he grew up from. Uh, here's him talking about it here on this podcast. Here's a th is like I hate all civil rights movies. <laughs> what? I, uh, I, 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 don't get me wrong. I I applaud the effort. Right. And and they should exist. The problem is they only show the back of the bus and the lunch counter. They mm. actually make racism look very like fixable. <laughs> right. right. And yeah. They don't really get into how dysfunctional 
the 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 relationships were and like in the 40s and 50s like white men would just walk in your house and take your food you know like yeah (laughs) they would just come into your house they wouldn't not what do you think would happen in the during the depression when people are hungry and white people are hungry and and like oh there's black people cooking on that side of town what what do you think would happen they would walk in your house and take your yeah it's like a predator prey relationship it's a predator prey relationship what do you think White guys, what you think when it was time to rape, they were just rape. They were raping white women. No, they would go and rape the women they could actually rape without going to jail for. Okay, or sexual assault, just like you know, guys and all that shit. You know, all that shit. This shit is so much more, um, you know, racism and Jim Crow is so much dirtier. Mm. than any movie ever showed. I mean, I, you were probably going to get to this at some point. Like, but I always tell the story. My mother used to get her teeth taken out at the, at the vet. vet. Yeah. Because yeah. you weren't allowed to go to the dentist. Like, like no, no movie shows you that. Yeah. It's just like, oh, well, if we give them some eggs, they'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just got to not. Why, why are these black people complaining? The, the seating. <laughs> Once we have allowed the seating squared away. We got, and he's absolutely right. You know, those movies don't show us shit. You know, they show the whole, oh, it wasn't that slavery wasn't that bad. And white people really and, you know, black people just had to really. And, you know, really, to me, the underlining uh, thing that I hate is that they don't show you the 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 rapings and the lynchings and, and, and the bucking and all of the other heinous things that happened to black people throughout that time. You know, it's really whitewashed, you know, and. I hate to say it, but we know who are, you know, green lighting these films and also giving funding to these films. And Chris Rock was absolutely right. And that's the reason why I don't even watch those films. You know, those silver right pieces, they really glorify the wrong, the, the wrong shit. And honestly, if I had it my way, I would never in my life ever again watch another one of those trash ass movies. Shout out to Chris Rock because he really was on point uh, when it came to actually itemizing why we shouldn't even be watching those movies in the first place because that was fucking trash <laughs> all right damn i went really hard um so other new news <laughs> other new news uh shout out to shine man i don't know if you know who shine is uh shine is a rapper one of my favorite rappers uh not of all time but he's most definitely up there up there uh, made some, some some really good classics in the early 2000s and then went to jail for about a decade and some change uh, after that, you know, horrific, infamous shootout in the nightclub with Puffy and J-Lo. And uh, since he's been out, Shine has been a completely different person. Now, I really want to say this. Uh, Shine just announced his victory from hip hop to the House of Representatives. He is in the House of Representatives in Belize, Yes, my guy. Bounce back, Shine. Now, Shine Poe, uh, a lot of people say he sounds like Biggie. I don't think he sounds like Biggie. Um, I thought that's kind of I thought that was pretty disrespectful to ever compare that man. But since he's been out, um, he's been doing really good things. Uh he's been doing really good things. He just ran, got elected. He actually was on an interview. He did an interview with Fat Joe, I believe. Um, which it, I think Fat Joe calls his podcast Jopra, uh, which is really dope. But shout out Fat Joe, but come on, cuz you gotta stop over talking people. You know, don't them interviews, you gotta stop over talking people in them interviews, my guy. Fat Joe, I love you to death you know i do joe cracked the don don cartagena you know i never disrespect you but you and nori are some talking over people last interviewers uh, i still love you out of death though but anyways uh shout out to shine if you haven't got a chance to check out um the actual article um it's on revolt but I'm, i have it right here in the link and in the description so uh make sure you check it out but you really don't see a lot of these redemption stories and i think that's one excuse me one of the reasons why I wanted to highlight this particular story because you really don't see redemption stories like this, especially in hip hop. You see these rappers that go to jail and, you know, these kind of these telltale stories um, about what not to do and what really, you know, rap leads to and hip hop is so poisonous to the black community. But you rarely see redemption stories of this magnitude where you see an artist go to jail for an extended amount of time. 
uh, especially for being railroaded in a course railroaded in a course system. We kind of know how that worked out. Uh, but shout out to Shine, man. I think this is really one of them things that people should probably pay attention to and give a little bit of a chance. If you haven't got a chance uh, to do it just yet, I think you should most definitely check it out. I would have voted for Shine. I wish I would have been running for like mayor or some shit like that in New York. You know, mayor of like maybe we should have like a official mayor of Harlem or something like that. I think that'd be dope. Uh, anyways, uh, another thing that I kind of wanted to touch on since we're on the topic of topic of politics and also redemption stories. I have been watching closely a lot of different things that have been taking place. Uh, a lot of the cabinet that's been kind of shaping up um, for this new presidency that's going to take place. And Charlemagne has been doing an incredible job. And I would have to agree with him on a lot of different things. And some things I disagree with, with Charlemagne, uh, Charlemagne is incredible in his way of talking to politicians and being unapologetic in his questioning, uh, his line of questioning, the energy that he brings to these interviews, whenever they have politicians on their platform for the breakfast club. I think he does a great job, especially with making them actually say what they're doing and what they're not doing and telling them you lied about this. He holds all of them accountable and i think that's amazing so he had andrew yang uh on the show uh and he asked andrew yang you know do democrats need to change their messaging strategy um and i thought andrew yang had a great answer but the thing about andrew yang and i think this kind of didn't get him uh to, through the primaries for the democratic party he does a great job of answering questions but not really giving you an answer and i think that's my issue with andrew yang he is really good at detailing and itemizing the things that need to be done in order to give the black community a chance um, after fruition and real financial growth and uh, real progress. However, he doesn't really paint out the way he's going to actually do it. Um, and the way he answered this question is, uh, matter of fact, I'll play the clip for you right here. When, when you talk about messaging, right, because I think Democrats messaging is terrible. When you talk about words like reparations or terms like to fund the police are packing the courts is it really the 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 messaging or, or, or the message because the message isn't wrong with any of those things we're talking about is it just the that headline fox is really effective at charging certain terms with very powerful negative associations if you sit down an average american in iowa or ohio and you say hey uh do you think your health care costs are too high they'll say yes mm -hmm. uh, it's like do you think you should have health care if you lose your job yes what do you think about socialized medicine i'm like oh i hate it you know it's like because they've been trained like socialized medicine terrible um so they've been trained to have that kind of association with certain terms uh and Fox profits to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars a year by ginning them up. Uh, and their viewership, we all should know this, their viewership is about twice that of uh, CNN or MSNBC. <laughs> you know, like, like they, they, they're striking chords that uh, hit with, with a bigger section of the population. Um, so the solution is in many ways just to change the terms <laughs> you know what I mean? like if, if you get into the substance of it um i just talked to someone today who said uh you pulled they pulled a bunch of people and they said defund the police and everyone's like hate it and it's like hey do, do you agree with trying to shift like some proportion of the police budget to you know community um, health and education and volunteer and they're like oh yeah I agree with that <laughs> like, just like literally the police but, people just are confused with it don't understand oh yeah we're like defund the police seems maybe too absolute or maybe they, it may, they think it means like you know like go to zero which I know some people who are arguing for defund the police you know are arguing for go to zero um, but like other people arguing defund the police are arguing for what that pollster was testing which is like hey would you take some of the budget and move it over to the, these um, other programs um, so it, it, it really is a language problem guys uh, and, and one of the things that we're making a mistake about in my opinion is that we're taking a term and then five gins people up against it and then we're just like leaning into that term um and and uh, then we just end up with this clash that neither no one wins really like um so it, it's one reason why i renamed universal basic income the freedom dividend yeah that was pretty much his answer uh which he said some good key points but at the end of his answers you always like you're always like what the fuck andrew like my guy we asked you a simple question what do we need to do now he did do a good job of saying that the republicans or more specifically uh the trump 
followers, Trump clan, we'll call them the Trump KKK or whatever, uh, they do a damn good job at getting messaging through and loading these words as trigger words to really cause an, uh, you know, an upheave. However, I don't think the black people are that much, I guess, out of touch to the point where certain trigger words are going to make us storm the streets and hold up crosses burning and all that shit like that. I think that we do a great job of, of kind of deciding what we want to listen to, what we don't want to listen to. Sometimes I think we don't have our posts on the right things, but I do think it's worth visiting this full interview. I have the link um, in my bio as well, but I do think the Democrats, if they're going to do a good job, they're going to fi- have to find a way to win Senate. Um, House is holding it strong. So if the Democrats, this is the Democrats, th- this is their time. Make Let's make no mistakes. This is their time. All right. If the Democrats don't get it right this time for black people, I don't want to hear shit else from black people about Republicans, Trump or, or Democrats or Joe or whoever. All right. I don't want to hear nothing else we better start voting for just black people across the board and holding them accountable because trying to just you know give your unabashed devotion to one party that shit is just i it's never worked i'm just be honest but we'll see how this turns out this time democrats got the ball um obviously if if, if senate is going to be majority republican I, I see very few of a few of the policies that joe biden is pushing coming to fruition but hey i've been wrong before and i'm hoping i'm wrong again because black people need some hope all right and i'm transitioning into one of another fun topics that i wanted to talk about um dj envy charlemagne's co-worker or is it oh wait oh oh, i got a little got a little little antsy on a playback i was excited about this uh so dj envy who rarely does interviews especially non-calculated uh, interviews um did an interview with fat joe on his joper podcast which was pretty dope and he got a chance to talk about you know charlemagne his feelings about charlemagne in the beginning and his feelings about angela yee in the beginning and uh here, here's what he said he was like uh charlemagne charlemagne the god and i'm like nah he's like why I said, that man got fired four times from four different radio stations. I was like, I got like I'm, not, I'm not doing that. So then he was like, nah, trust me, he's changed. I said, okay. Then he said, Angela Yee. I said, fuck no. He was like, why? I said, she's on serious radio. I said, she got a potty mouth. She's going to be cursing. She's going to get us fired. He was like, no, you. I trust me, it's going to work. And they put us together and it worked. And the reason why I think it worked was because I always say we were all sides to somebody main. You think about it, Charlemagne was Wendy Williams' side. Angela Yee was Cypher Sound's side. I was Miss Jones' side. So nobody really attacked the, I need to be the star, I need to be the star. We all kind of were able to alley-oop off each other so there was never no jealousy. You know, when we first started the show, I was the biggest. Then Yee was the biggest. Then Charlemagne's the biggest. Like, it's no animosity because we all do it together. It's not like somebody came in the show as, this is the Steve Harvey show, you know, or the Wendy Williams show. This was a, a collabor- like a collaboration where it was like the breakfast club and we all had our each our share. So it, it, it came to the table well. You know, Charlemagne, behind his back, I still talk rappers out of beating him up. Mm-hmm. Um, people really mad at him for over the years. Uh, Especially from like the Wendy Williams, like he was like, you know, he was trying to come. You know, I had to explain this to somebody recently who was like, he called me like, "Yo, crack, let me highlight you. You ever had a problem with Charlamagne?" I said, "Yeah, he dissed me a bunch of times." You know what? What could you do? Like, right. hey, he said I sold out, make it rain. I did. You know, it is Charlamagne. So I said, "Listen, bro, he's different now." You know, he was on the come up. He was trying to do whatever he thought was going to take him till he could come up. He's a different guy now. Now, I thought this was pretty dope because you rarely hear DJ Envy talk so uh, bluntly. You know, he he's he's really good and very choicey with his words, and he's a fun, upbeat guy, and I love uh, DJ Envy's energy. Shout out to Envy in real life. He's a good dude, you know, working with The Breakfast Club in the past. Um, he, he was one of those few people who was just, like, upbeat, very approachable. He worked uh, with us in Orlando, and then when I got up here at Power 105, he was also a really good dude, too, um, to me, as I can speak on. But in Anyways, it's crazy to hear him say, hell no to Charlamagne. He's been fired from four stations. 
Now, if you've worked in radio, all right, if you've ever worked in radio, if you know much about radio, radio is a very tough industry um, because there's not a lot of financial promise unless you really kind of hit a power pack. And I'll describe that in another episode. But um, there's certain areas where you can really do well in life with radio if you finally find the right situation for you in radio and that's what i mean about it being tough radio is a situational is a situational thing if you can find the right radio family the right people the right brand the right imaging you can really skate you can really do well um charlamagne had a lot of friction um he came from that school of wendy williams of really just not being you know he just he, he never was friendly to the people that he was interviewing and everything for him was like it was a lot i wouldn't call him a shock jock at the time but charlamagne most definitely made amends coming up he, he you know he, he carved a name out for himself and also i thought it was pretty funny that dj envy called angela Yee a potty mouth because i never thought angela Yee was a potty mouth i mean i, I used to listen to her show on uh on um on series xm and i believe it was uh who was who was was it over there i can't i can't remember who she was the uh co-talent went but she had another she was a part of a uh, another talent uh cypher sounds that's who was over there at, at sirius xm with her and they did have a pretty raunchy show and angela yee most definitely talks about sex a lot which is uh <laughs> shout out to angela yee um, but yeah it, this is pretty dope to hear him talk so uncandidly to um talking about actually how he left hot 97 to go over to power um and how that was a risk for his career as well you know radio is one of those places that you know it's it's sink or swim very few people get to kind of coast it out and um do really major things so shout out to dj envy he also got a chance uh to talk about you know the issue with birdman behind the scenes and why he never really felt threatened but he did feel threatened about that onyx situation where he thought that they was really gonna throw hands with charlamagne because i watching that old live happen was like damn i think charlamagne about to get stomped out by fredro star and uh sticky fingers i thought that shit was gonna happen but shout out to charlamagne for never budging staying 10 toes down um but yeah he also talked talked about you know Charlemagne um you know damn near almost killing a lot of different careers uh of rappers and he also talked about his many side hustles I really love this this is a very informative interview so I have put the link right here uh in in my description so make sure you click that and check that out too because very few people actually interview DJs you know Envy is obviously a legendary DJ but they talk about his relationship with DJ Pro Style working in Orlando which I thought was pretty dope because I was a part of a, a little bit of that uh, so I thought that was super fire uh, oh and then another shit oh yeah so check this out The uh, I think there's the reunion of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is going to take place on HBO Max make sure you check it out I have that the link there uh, in my bio as well and I'm excited about this because I wasn't the biggest Fresh Prince of Bel-Air fan but uh, I watched it just like everybody else did and it was a dope ass show now they're doing a reunion rest in peace to James Avery Uncle Phil won't be there uh, but this is going to be a spicy ass reunion I can tell right now and I'm hoping they talk about the shit that they didn't talk about before we've seen every one of the castmates do interviews over the over the years and talk about some of the fun times and it was dope but I really want them to, to get in the grit of it now I'm gonna I'm put the trailer in here you gotta check the trailer out alright because it gets spicy at the end because they got the light skin on Viv and Will breaks down and he's like yo this wouldn't be a real reunion if we didn't bring back and then dark skin on Viv come out that bitch I'm like yo my guy this shit is about to be ill I'm looking forward to this I'm watching every drop of it on HBO Max uh, salute to Will Smith and the cast of uh, Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air for making this happen uh, I think this is going to be incredible also uh, Hillary's still looking bad uh, and so is Tatiana Ali I just want to sprinkle that bit in there um, I'm excited about that um, it's going to be really really fun man it's going to be really really fun last topic of the, uh, of the podcast I did want to talk about this um Charlemagne the God actually was on Vice TV. Now, he was on Vice TV uh, speaking with Carrie Champion and Jamel Hill um, on the One Stick to Sports new show that they have, which I think is super dope. And they got on the topic of 19% of African-American men voting for Donald Trump. And um, I'll, I'll play it for you right here. 19%. Uh, of black men voted for Donald Trump, uh, which is up from significantly from 2016. And that's the most for a Republican candidate uh, in the exit mm -hmm. poll since 1980. Why do you think so many or this percentage of black men were so responsive to Donald Trump? I think it's a couple of reasons. You know, one, 
simply is because they were marketed to. You know, they were targeted. Like, you know, Trump ran ads aimed at young black men. Why you were know, they effective? Well, if, if I didn't know any better, like if I didn't know we had a fascist in the White House and democracy as we know it was on the brink of death, I may not have voted for Trump, but I certainly probably wouldn't have voted for Biden. Like we acting like Biden isn't a hard choice for a black person to make. When you think of the 86 crime bill or the 88 crack laws, the 94 crime bill, like it's a lot of black people in jail because of Joe Biden. And you know, you compare his damn near 50 years in the Senate to Trump's three as president. If you're just looking at it on the surface, you would say, I'm not supporting that guy. I'm gonna support the guy who's telling me in these ads, he let people out of jail, Joe Biden locked people up. Now, I think this is particularly dope because you finally get a chance to see Charlemagne address this. And this is one of those things where I would say the 19% of black men that voted for Donald Trump, because I think there's this narrative that, that's been painted that, you know, black women showed up and they, and they outshine their male counterparts and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, that narrative is there. And I think if, you know, the funny thing about politics, if you, if you adjust the numbers or look at the numbers the right way, you can always find some type of, I guess, narrative that you can drum up. But I think the most important thing is that the 19% of men, in my opinion, who voted for Donald Trump, I'm not going to call them lost or coons or anything like that. But I will say that it's a very self-serving thing to vote for a man who literally has given no policy or, or, or any type of game plan to help black and brown communities. And no, I'm not ashamed of that 19% because the 19% that deviates are normally people who deal out of self-interest and not for the interest of their community. Um, but I will say this. If you're a black man and you voted for Donald Trump, you need to do some soul searching. I don't think it's as simple as people are making it out to be, but I also can simplify it for you. Um, a vote for anybody uh, it really seems like it's not a vote for black people. Uh, I don't knock people for voting however they're going to vote. But the Donald Trump vote to me is different from just being a conservative or Republican. It's literally identifying yourself as part of white supremacy and trying to find a niche in which you, the black minority in the Trump or staunch Republican party or conservative party, find an area where they might invite just a few black people and they pat you on the head and give you whatever it is that you're looking for, uh, you know, <laughs> at the, you know, pretty much at the loss of your own community. So I do think this is a dope show. Shout out to Jamel Hill, uh, a Michigander of mine, and also shout out to Carrie Champion. That's it. Real Spit Royale, season two, episode four. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at DRoyale. Also on my YouTube channel, this will be up too. Any any questions, anything, any interaction that you want to do, holla at your homie. I'm here. You already know what it is. Real spit. Let's get it. <laughs>